Welcome to checking out the competition, the home and home Red Wings edition. And I am joined once again by our pal, Peter Flynn from Winging It in Motown. Pete, how are you? I'm great. I think I have uh, three more episodes and I get the green jacket. It's true. Yeah. We're going to make you an honorary member. Your name will go on the plaque at the yeah. clubhouse. It's like a whole thing. I, I'm very much looking forward to it. Yes, it's, it's going to be great. So we talked a little bit ago. It was December 17th, to be precise, which is just <laughs> when everything was starting to go wild here. <laughs> um, and you actually did a very cool thing. You eulogized Dave Hextall by repeating all the ways that, in which he's like a saltine cracker of a man, like a very boring human being who is not very remarkable. And that was super fun. Yeah. Um, obviously, since then, for the Flyers at least, a lot of things have changed. Um, for the better, mostly, which is nice. Mm -hmm. uh, what's changed for the Wings since we last spoke? <sighs> um, we played some games. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Um, Dylan Larkin scored about 80 more goals. Athanasius <laughs> uh, <laughs> had about 20 penalty shots. No, but like, uh, obviously, hyperbole aside, uh, Dylan Larkin has continued to just take a giant step forward this year. He's continued to basically be easily the most watchable part of the Red Wings season. Um, however, Athanasiu is definitely like, you know, Athanasiu, just like a lot of goal scorers, is very streaky, which I mean, yeah. that's, you know, all goal scorers are streaky on some level. And I think he had gone something like 13 games without a goal, but then he got two last game. Um, he, he had his fourth, no, his third, third penalty shot of the year. Yeah. Um, and you know, because he, he is very fast, he is yeah. a very fast human being. And, um, so because of that, he frequently gets breakaways and he frequently gets interfered with on the breakaways. And so, yeah, so he has a lot of penalty shots. Uh, I think he's two for three this year. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so he, he just, uh, he just broke his, uh, season record for goals. So he's, nice. he's, yeah, so he's having a really, uh, a really good year in terms of like taking a step forward as well. Yeah, because wasn't he for a while there one of those guys that people were like, oh boy, they're stuck with this guy, never going to get rid of him. I feel like for a while that was one of the names I always heard about as like a little bit of an albatross. No, I'm, you might be thinking of Abdulkader. Oh yeah, maybe I am. Yes. Hey, names. Yes. No, no, after to see you, like, after to see you has been in the news, like in terms of like other teams, you know, paying attention to him. Uh, Basically, last year he held out at the beginning of the year, like not as long as Nylander, but he yeah. held out for a while. He missed the beginning of the season, and we all kind of thought that maybe, maybe that was going to be it because it seemed like maybe there was some tension between him and management. But then he signed a two-year deal uh, going into this, you know. So he has this year and next year, and um, you know he, he's definitely taking a huge step forward uh, because in the past he's been a very good offensive player, but he has uh, you know his defensive game definitely left a lot to be desired and yeah. he's he's really seemed to have worked hard on that and he seems to be really focusing on becoming more of not just a one-dimensional player or i guess less of a one-dimensional player would be a, that would be a better way to say it yeah yeah okay um which is good because as we all know nhl coaches prefer zero dimensional players to one dimensional <laughs> players exactly yes <laughs> Okay, so uh, one of your guys that I wanted to ask about, uh, the man who vows forgot. Yes. Ferk. Frick? Yep. Ferk. Ferk. <laughs> yeah, it, it is Martin Ferk. Yeah, Martin Ferk. He was just sent down to the minors. Why wasn't he able to stick? Um, He's not good enough. Uh, and, and, and this is one of those things that like, you hate to say because like 
just like a lot of players like him, like like you can tell he he works his ass off. You can tell that he really wants to wants to be there. But the problem is he he is blessed with a very hard one-time shot. Mm. It's not very accurate. Um, and so if it was a little more accurate, he would be a very dangerous weapon on the power play. I mean, he's not going to be like your Ovechkins, your your Kucherovs with the one-timer, but he'd probably be, you know, a couple steps down, but still, still really dangerous. And it's really disappointing because him and Thomas Vanek are the only right-hand shot forwards on our team. Other than, well, well, Luke Glendening, but Luke Glendening's not going to play on the power play. Right. So you know how it is like, like with the standard one, three, one, that pretty much every team seems to run, you're going to want a right-hander on the left half boards for that one time option. And we, we only have Vanek uh, and, you know, it seemed like it would be nice if Ferk could kind of develop into that, but you know, he played 25 games. He has one goal and four assists. And I mean, you know, there, you know, there's times where he, he came close, but like, he's not really a, a, a very good all around player. And yeah. so if he's not scoring, then he's not really valuable to the team, unfortunately. So one of the things that I was super interested about when I was reading up on the Red Wings, because believe it or not, I do actually read up on these teams before I do this stuff. <laughs> um, there was an article on The Athletic um, about how, despite the fact that for a number of years now, I think outside of Detroit, all of us have just kind of been thinking about the Red Wings as being in kind of this unending cap hell that it was going to take forever for them to dig out of. There was no end in sight. They were going to be bad forever. Blah, blah, blah. It's probably different for you inside the bubble, but for us out here, that's kind of, I feel like, what everyone's been thinking about the Red Wings. But it seems like it's starting actually to get better. Um, like, for example, Holland moved some players for picks. Um, a bunch of big names come off the books this season if you decide not to keep them. Thomas Vanek, you were just talking about Cronwall, Nyquist, um, Jimmy Howard. What do you think... Holland is going to do. Do you think he's going to retain any of these guys? Do you think he's going to let them walk and open up a whole bunch of cap space and then go crazy in free agency? What do you kind of see happening? Uh, this is like the million dollar question because it kind of depends. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the community episode with the, uh, the six sided die. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, I, I can see a variety of possible futures. Hmm. And just like Dr. Strange, I think only one of them might be the right one out of what 14 million or whatever. <laughs> I forget what the number is from that movie. But um basically, okay, so Ken Holland gets a bad rap, very justifiably, yeah. uh, for a a lot of contracts that he made. Um, and a lot of these moves that he made were during the Red Wings 25-year playoff streak. Mm-hmm. And like I, I don't know for people outside of the, the fan base, this might almost sound like a conspiracy theory, but it's not really, it's like, we had this owner, Mike Illich, which, you know, he's, he's known as one of like, you know, one of the great owners. He would be like, I will give you anything. Like, I just want to win. Right. Yeah, very Snyder, like, yeah. Yeah. And it seems very likely that basically Ken Holland was given a mandate. Your job is to, your job is to make the playoffs. Mm. And so if you look back at some of the moves he made, and, and again, there, there's some moves like the aforementioned Justin Applicator contract that I will not defend in a hundred years, right? Mm. He signed some really bad contracts that you cannot defend no matter what. But some of the some of the decisions that he made that, that definitely seem short-sighted were because I think 
they like that was his job. His job was to make the playoffs, and so there was a, there was a, a time where he basically mortgaged the future to try to make the playoffs. Um, now that probably wasn't the best idea, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But ever since. Um, you know, unfortunately, Mike Illich passed away and the the Red Wings playoff streak came to an end. Ever since then, Holland has made mo- a lot of his moves have been a lot better. Yeah, there, there still are some that I would not defend. Um, like, for example, w- when we brought in Trevor Daly, I like Trevor Daly. He seems like a great guy. He's a shell of his former self. And yeah. even so, like he's blocked, you know, like we kind of need that space for some of our younger defensemen to be playing. So I wasn't a fan of that deal. Um I didn't. I wasn't really happy that we brought back Mike Green. Uh, the main reason was because it, t- it was going to take up another space. However, I will admit that I probably might have been wrong about that because without Mike Green, our defense would be like eighty second in the league. Um, I mean, like, like we're already bad, yeah. and like Mike Green kind of keeps us from being embarrassing sometimes. I think. Um, so, like, if you took him away, I think it might just be too much. Like, you know. You know, I mean, like, like it would be almost unwatchable. Like, like the defense would be so bad. Um, so I do think that there is reason to have faith that Holland is not going to go back to signing people for seven-year contracts or six-year contracts for like large cap hits with no move clauses, etc. I do think he's kind of not doing that anymore, unless he. The only th- the only way I think he would do that is if like one of the really big, especially young mm-hmm. free agent options, or if he can trade for somebody like, you know, trade for like a Jacob Trouba or like a Hampus Lindholm or, you know, cause we really need a really good defenseman. Like that's what we need more than anything. Mm-hmm. And like, if he could make a trade for like, uh, I know like, like Seth Jones isn't available, but you know, like somebody like that, ev- like everybody in Detroit would be like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. That's totally fine. What people in Detroit are, are terrified of is that he's going to, sign a free agent just to sign a free agent Mm -hmm. and that's going to block some of our younger players. It's going to hurt our cap space down the road when you have your Dylan Larkins and Anthony Manthas and Andreas Athanasius and, you know, Joe Valeno's coming in, like, you know, all these young players that are going to need contracts, hopefully if they pan out the way they do, I mean, we're, we're not going to be like Toronto where, you know, we're going to have like, Oh, we got to pay Marner and Tavares. And like, like, we're not going to, it's not going to be that, but it's going to be the same idea. It's just not going to be to that level. You know what I'm saying? So, I think that there's a very good chance that he could he could do the right thing, which is sell off anybody that has value that is not going to be part of the future. Okay. And the problem with that, like, like I don't want to talk too much about this because I know we have other stuff to talk about, but like the problem with that is the the classic thing that in order to make a trade, right? Yeah. The other team has to want to make a trade too. You know? always seem to forget right and so they're like well why don't we just do that it's like yeah but they have to say yes to that and you know it like it's not going to happen so you know we all just trade all of our bad players for other teams good players exactly so like you you know like uh like two years ago we had thomas vanek uh Mm -hmm. and and we we thought at the deadline we were going to get a really good pick for him and we ended up getting like a third and 
later on when the the beat writers uh like i craig Cousins had a great article about like the whole you know market and basically other teams were like yeah he sucks at defense like he's <laughs> terrible at defense and so we were overvaluing him as a fan yeah. base and so i think that could be a potential danger i mean i think like nyquist i think is going to have a lot of value because nyquist i think is better than people realize mm-hmm. um He's going to be easy. Well, him and Howard and then the market for goalies is so hard because I say this as unbiasedly as I can, like Jimmy Howard, again, Jimmy Howard is better than people think. Um, Really good. Yes. Like like he does have bad games now and then, but every, every goalie has bad games. But like, if it wasn't for Jimmy Howard, we would be probably last in the league. Mm. And so I do think he would have value to a team that wants to make a cup run that needs solid goaltending. I think he would have value, but we'll see. Cause I know he wants to come back. He wants to stay here. Um, we don't have a goaltending prospect ready for a couple years. So to have him come back on a two-year deal is, is fine. Like that would be great. Um, now if they sign him to a five-year deal, that, that would be a big problem. Yeah. But you know, if he comes back for a two-year deal, that that's not a big deal. Like no. we could easily make that work. Yeah. yeah. Two-year deals are the best. Yeah. Contract length, in my yeah. opinion, everyone should be on a two year deal. Mm. <laughs> I talk about this a lot on Brushy Hockey Radio. <laughs> favorite thing everyone gets a two year deal, reevaluate. You want to raise, play good for two years, then we'll give you one. <laughs> there you go. I sh- yeah, I would be a, a really terrible NHL GM. <laughs> so now just to dive a little bit more into the actual team rather than like the global state of the Red Wings. Um, you brought up Dylan Larkin earlier, who is an absolute joy to watch. And he has really been clicking with uh, Nyquist, hmm. which I'm assuming has been fun for you. It seems like they have been working really well together. What do you think it is that makes them such a good pair? Well, it's interesting because when he when he came into the league, it seemed like Dylan Larkin was going to be a goal scorer. Um, he kind of took the league by storm, uh, mainly because of his speed. Um, as, as I always like to point out, he does hold the current record for fastest skater at the NHL All-Scar skills competition. And it's funny because I have really outgrown the part of me that enjoys trolling people online mm. that will still never get old to me. Like I will always like, I remember I was, I was running the, uh, the whim Twitter, the mm-hmm. night of the all-star skills competition. And I only stayed up long enough to be able to tweet. Dylan Larkin is still the <laughs> fastest skater. And like people get like, and in the morning I was like, Oh my bed, this is so, this is so fun. Like, I love it. Um, but I, I mean, obviously he is very fast. Like I, I, I don't think, I do think Connor McDavid's faster, especially with the puck, yeah. right? Because Connor McDavid is ridiculously fast with the puck. He's not um, really a human. He's like, yeah. A, yeah. I do think a race between them would be very close. Right. That would be so fun to watch. Yeah. I wish they would do that. And I and honestly, I think Athanasiu would probably give him I think Athanasiu is faster than Larkin, I think. Oh, really? Which which is a good, you know, a good debate to have. Like which which one of our two players is is almost the fastest in the league. Um yeah. so yeah, so he came to the league and he was, you know, he would basically get all these breakaways. Um, but what he would do is he would get the puck and he would like you know, if you go to the Olive Garden, you get the tour of Italy. He would do like the tour of the offensive zone where he just like skate around in circles, kind of like, like Jason Blake used to do a while ago where he come in and like, there would be nothing there. So he's going to like, you know, just, just go in a circle. And the rest of the NHL found out how to defend against him the second year. And he had a lot of trouble, but then the end of the second year. And then last year, he like, you know, really took a step forward. He was really, um, 
you know, you know, getting away from that, uh, uh, you know, like he changed his game enough. Right. Yeah. And this, what I was, what I was starting off saying, and I kind of went off on a rant is, uh, he, he still is a very good goal scorer, but he has also developed into a very good playmaker. Yeah. And I think that that's why him and Nyquist click so well together because Nyquist is like more of a scorer, yeah. but, but he's also a playmaker. Like he, he, he's also very clever. Um, and so I think the two of them really work well together. Um, like Larkin's speed, like Nyquist is able to kind of like figure out based on Larkin, like the defenders reacting to Larkin, like where he's going to need to be to get open. And like, they're, they're very good at, at playing together. I think. If you were to identify the one thing about the Red Wings that was going to give the Flyers fits in these two games, do you think it's going to be that top line? I think it's going to be the top line and Athens to you. Okay. He, like Athens to is just on a roll lately. He's, uh, you know, he, he seems to get a couple breakaways every game. Hmm. Okay. So obviously this is a home and home series, which yeah. I personally think are a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And so I wanted to ask you if there was any real measurable difference between the way the Red Wings play at home and the way they play on the road. I mean, I think if you throw out just kind of the general difference that there is with home, home and away for NHL teams. Um, the one thing that's interesting is that their, their power play is better on the road than at home, which is, which is weird. Um, like every, every week for the site, I write a power play article and I, I go in depth and rewatch everything and do like a video breakdown, et cetera, et cetera. And, but at the same time, like, I don't really look at it through the lens of home and away. So I like, I haven't been like looking for home and away patterns, et cetera. Um, so I would say like, there isn't really much of a difference in the way they play. Like I said, if you take away just, you know, a, a road team is typically going to play a more defensive game because they, they don't have last change. Right. They're going to be reacting, you know, so if you kind of take away that aspect, like there's nothing that really stands out extra special for me about that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's probably generally true for the most part. It's, I was just curious because like at the beginning of the season, the flyers were like an absolute tire fire at home and nobody could really figure out why. And then on the road, they would do better. So yeah. curious. Maybe they like hotels. Maybe. Yeah. They don't have the pressure of 20,000 idiots screaming shoot at them. So, oh, yeah, or skate. I like yeah. that. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> apart from the guys who we know, yeah. the Harkins, the Nyquist, the Athanasius, or as Bill Matz would say, the happy to see you. Yeah. Um, who would you say is one guy we should keep an eye on when he's playing? Okay. Um, I am going to go. And, and and this is kind of a layered response. I'm going to go with Thomas Vanek, and here's why. Thomas Vanek is one of the more most creative players I've ever seen, especially on the power play. So when Detroit's on the power play, watch for Vanek because one of the things that he's so good at is, and this is going to sound crazy, but he is really good at playing in that net front spot because in the modern modern NHL, the modern power play in the NHL, you don't have like the Thomas Holmstrom just camped out in the crease. Nope. Like, like, like that's the way it was for a long time, but we don't really have that anymore. Like it's more of like a moving screen, et cetera. Like, you know, they move from side to side. And so Vanek is number one. He's actually really good at screening the goalie. He's really good at deflecting the puck, but he's also really good at sliding out to the side for like that little quick one-time pass where, you know, it goes to him and then back into the slot for like a one-time shot. But he's also incredibly good when he sets up behind the goal. Mm. 
and he is very, very, very effective back there. Um, and actually one, one thing specifically to keep an eye on, because I, I am waiting for him to score on this because it's going to be a highlight real goal when he does one thing he'll do is he'll set up in front of the goal and he kind of slides to the side and they pass it to him. And he does this little chip deflection that, that is aiming for the near post. And the thing is, he's so good at doing the little quick pass from that exact same spot that the goalie can't like cheat you know like if they yeah. cheat too far one way he can do the other thing and like he's come so close to scoring at least like three or four times so keep an eye on that because i'm going to be like if we score on that i'm going to be like jumping up and down um <laughs> on the other hand he is one of the worst defensive players i've ever seen yeah he's not great he is not great is is very charitable yeah <laughs> um typically he like lately you know he will back check um with the like the same speed that my dog will uh like go towards the door when it's like raining outside and she really has to pee so she has to go out but she's like i don't want to and then she just goes really slowly like <laughs> basically no effort is what i'm saying on the back check and and that's why we were only able to get a third round pick from three two years ago yeah. but incredible offensively incredibly creative very underrated in his creativity, but then a tire fire in his own end. I actually love that answer because everybody always gives me like a random dude that I've never heard of, like a guy that just got called up or like <laughs> a flying grinder or something like that. But like everybody knows who Thomas Vanek is. He's been mm. around forever. He's like a free agent. It seems every single off season, somehow he's yeah. available in free agency. Um, So we all know about him, but I would never have thought to watch for a chip play that specific. So now I'm going mm. to. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get to game predictions, yes. um, if you guys don't know, Peter and Winging It Motown, they have a podcast. It's really good called For Sure, which, by the way, I don't know if I've ever told you, mm -hmm. I love the name of that podcast because mm -hmm. it makes me think of, for some reason, the Tragically Hip Greatest Hits album, Your Favorites. It always makes <laughs> me think of that for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so they have a podcast called For Sure. And just like us, they were able to get Dan Carcillo to come on recently and talk about his efforts to kind of thwart head injuries and bring awareness to the issue and all that kind of stuff. Um, Pete, what did you take away from your talk with Dan Carcillo? Well, um, we haven't talked to him yet. Oh, you haven't? I thought nope. I saw him uh, Well, yeah, the, the, we had the mailbag. Oh, oh. What? No, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to be talking to him tomorrow night. That's oh, okay. 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 I, I actually, I, I have talked with him via text. But okay. we have not we have not actually talked on the podcast yet. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be we're recording tomorrow night, which is okay. Saturday night, yeah. and then it'll be out Monday morning. Oh, perfect. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, definitely look out for that. How by the way, and I know mm -hmm. this is like inside baseball cheesiness, but like how friggin' wild was it texting with Dan Carcillo? It was crazy. Like, like I told like I told one of my friends because like okay. <laughs> It, like every time I talk about this, I almost feel like, am I the guy that's just like name, name dropping so he can sound cool, but it's like, you know, like, okay. So for the, you know, for the podcast, like when we started doing it, cause we have, you know, the whim radio, which is like the red wings one. And so I told JJ a couple years ago, I was like, I really, cause I, cause I started like kind of hosting it sometimes and I was on it and I told JJ, I was like, I really want to do like an NHL podcast. And he's like, cool. And so uh, my co-host Jay, he is a, a freelance producer for Fox sports Detroit. So, you know, he, he, you know, he kind of works in the game and uh, we, we started playing like, like we met each other when I went to Detroit for a game or actually two games. And we started like, you know, kind of, you know, 
you know, we were basically friends and we would play NHL 19 together mm -hmm. and we would talk to each other. And I was like, Hey, we have like a really good like rapport. Like, yeah. and so when I was thinking about like, who do I want to do this with? I was like, I think this would be really cool. And so basically like we decided we want to have a guest. And so we, we do sometimes have big name guests, right? We've had, yeah, we've had a lot of good stuff. We've had Ken Daniels, the uh, the Red Wings play-by-play -play guy, Craig Custance a couple of times. We had Scott Cullen, uh, Down Goes Brown was on recently. You know, so Katie Strang, like that Katie Strang is, is one of my heroes. Um, you know, so we've had like some of the big name guests, but we also try to give a platform to people that don't have as big of a platform, right? Okay. So um, I don't know if we were the first podcast, but I know we were like definitely one of the ones to like really kind of like have like Chris Watkins on and try yeah. to be like, hey, you guys should listen to him. He's really, really good. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, especially like, you know, women, people of color, uh, women of color, you know, you know, so we do try to kind of do a mix where we, you know, sometimes we'll try to go for the big name because obviously number one is fun, but you know, it also makes people listen, but yeah. then like, sometimes we'll also try to go for like, we had uh like, actually now she's kind of more well-known, but Kate freeze, the, the photographer, <laughs> you know? And so, um, you, you know, so we, we try to give a platform to people that we feel should have a platform, but they don't really have as much of a voice that, you know, yeah, yeah. they don't have the reach that they should. Um, so yeah. So, but, but it's like I'm so I'm so excited for that. And I, I was telling my friend, I was like, it's so weird that in my phone I have like Scott Cullen's cell phone. I like, and I mean, I'm not gonna like call them or anything, wow. but like I like I have I have their number. It's like so weird. Yeah, because yeah. like because Stephanie and I were DMing Dan Willow, yeah. just you know, casually like we're buds, and he was like, uh, text works better for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like Steph. So yep. we're just gonna just gonna text. Yep. Dan Carcillo. Totally cool. He's like telling us about how he's going to get pizza with his kids. I'm like, yeah. what is happening? What is life? Because I love Dan Carcillo. I have for a long time. I had a very stupid Facebook page called Dan Carcillo's mustache. That <laughs> like, I ended up with like 11,000 followers on Facebook <laughs> like when it was like a big deal. Yeah. So I'm like obsessed with him. I love him so much. So this was like a huge deal for me. And I think it's super mm. cool that like, I mean, obviously, both of our shows, they have a little bit of a following, but we're not big deals. Right, sure. It's super cool that he's willing to take the time to come on shows like ours and really talk about things that are super serious and, like, yeah. that you really have to think about, I think, as a hockey fan because, like, Bill and I talk about it all the time. We really like the fights. We like the rough part of hockey. It's mm. been a favorite, of, a favorite thing about the game for us for a long time since we got into it. But then you hear these stories and it's like, I don't know if like you, you feel kind of gross, you know, like, yeah. like you can't, you can't really root for a fight after knowing that a yeah. guy like Dan Carcillo or a guy like Riley Cote, like their whole lives have been completely changed because yeah. they got punched in the head a lot. Like it's, it really makes you think, which I think is good. No, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and I did listen to, uh, to your interview with him and, <laughs> and I, th I thought it was great. I thought you guys did a really good job. Um, and you know, he, he was great. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I heard him on, on your show. I, I heard him on the, the Custance podcast. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, like, you know, we have somebody on, like, I try to go and see if I could listen to other interviews with them yeah. uh, to kind of get an idea. Because, um, like, one time we had we had Corey Promen on, mm. who was awesome. And, like, like, he could not have been, like, more nice and more friendly. But it's, like, I think Jay and I did, didn't really, like, have a good idea of the kind of stuff he would want to talk about. 
Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of the questions we had were like logical questions, but I think he doesn't like, like he, he just gets tired of, of hearing those things. And yeah. so like, like I said, like it wasn't like he was like a jerk or anything. He was very nice. But like, yeah. I think, I think the interview would have gone a little bit better if we had known that and we could have come up with like different questions that maybe, you know, he would have been like, oh, cool. Like I'll kind of, you know, expound upon this. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, you know, planning to do those interviews is really tough because- yeah. You know, like I'll always have like 10 questions, etc. But then like you also kind of want to go with, you know, go the way that the yeah, interview's going. going. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and and for me, like, I think that's something I'm still working on is like changing midstream, like kind of going with the flow and, um, you know, because it's, it's, it's tough because, you know, I mean, like, like when we're doing this, you know, there is pressure on us. I'm sure, you know, because like, you know, we don't want to say something dumb and right. have them be like, oh, okay. Oh, like, yeah. who's this idiot? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And I was like, and you get like super nervous and like you prepare so much for it that you get like a little bit in your head that like, as soon as it goes a little bit differently than what you have on the paper, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Cause I, I was kind of thinking that you would maybe take like a different angle than we did just because like, why would you ask exactly the same stuff? as we did? Right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing it. And, um, Another thing that you do that I think is fun, <laughs> you and your wife have a Law & Order SVU podcast. Yes, we um, we <laughs> launched it. Let's see. So uh, this one comes out on Tuesdays. It's a weekly show. And uh, so this will be episode four is going to be coming up on this Tuesday. We actually just recorded it. Um, literally just recorded it like about like 10 minutes before I came upstairs to, to do this. And uh, yeah, so so. Nikki, one of Nikki's favorite shows is, is SVU. Mm -hmm. And we have spent lots of time over the years kind of talking about it, ranting about it, joking about it. Um, like, for example, I, I get so upset when it's the, the Pablo Schreiber episodes, the ones where he kidnaps Liv, because I'm like, she's a detective. How the hell did she not see this coming? Like, like, like how did they not? When that happened. Yeah. Like, how did they not know he was going to be in the room? Like, you know, and, and so like, it would make me so angry. And, um, you know, so, so we decided that we should, you know, we should try to do a podcast and, and, and it's, it's, it's really cool. So if you, especially if you like Law & Order SVU, I like, I think you kind of have to like it. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I, I guess you could listen to it without it, but um, basically it's just Lando uh, special podcast unit. And if you search for any, any podcast platform, it'll be on there. So. I kind of hope that once you get to the later seasons, you really go hard on them for doing too much ripped from the headlines. Yes. And oh, and just real quickly, what we do is the first episode, we just did the first episode, but then every other episode is going to be like at least like about three, three episodes of the show, because otherwise we'd be like 75 when we finish. So. Yeah, it would take forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, I wanted to tell you, if you yeah. ever have Corey Promen on again, yeah. why don't you ask him what he thinks about Carter Hart now? Oh boy. <laughs> he hated Carter Hart. Oh man. All the time. It yeah. Fire I, I, I asked, I asked Craig Custance, like, like we were about to have, like we were about to talk to Corey and, and I know that they're like really good friends. Yeah. And so I was like, Hey, is like, do you have a suggestion of like something I could ask him? He's like, ask him, ask him how we got the nickname prawn dog. <laughs> and, um, we did. And no, we shouldn't have asked. <laughs> like I said, he wasn't a jerk or anything, but like he very clearly didn't want to talk about that. Like I have no idea what the story is. <laughs> but... Oh boy, thanks a lot, Craig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so honestly, like the point of all that, the reason that I want to talk to you about it, yeah, is because honestly, I think that more people, like, if you have something that you like, and you and your friends are like dorking out about it all the time, like, just yeah, 
get a microphone and record it. It's fun. Yeah, it's, it's not hard. I mean, I, I taught myself how to do all this stuff. So, yeah. It's- I'm sure, like, just like you and I, we, I, I mean, our show started just because we felt like doing it for fun and no yeah. one was listening to it. And we were, like, doing it at Steph's house. Like, it, very informal. Like, yeah. So it's like, yeah, if it's fun and it's good, people will listen to it. So why not? Absolutely. All right, back to hockey. Sure. Before people completely lose their minds about the fact that we talked about other things for five minutes. Oh, my God. I know it's too much. Um, game predictions. We have two of them. There's a lot of pressure. Ah, uh, yes. To pick random scores. <laughs> yeah. It's very scientific, but you have to do it. Okay, so like, because you know, when you, when you sent me the list of questions, you just said predictions. So I wrote pain and suffering. Um, so I guess I guess I'm gonna say pain for game one and suffering for game two. Uh, but actually, okay, I, I I will make I will make real, real predictions. Okay. Um. Okay. So the game. So this is Saturday and Sunday, right? Yeah. Okay. So in wait. First in Detroit. Second. First one. Okay. Yeah. So the first one is in Detroit. It is a it is a one p.m. start, which is typically kryptonite. Mm. However, I think I think pretty much every team says that. Like every team is like, oh, we always play like shit in the matinee. So that is a very Flyers fan thing to say. I'm going to say that we win the Saturday game because I think us being home and not having to travel, even though it's not that far, I yeah. think will probably give us the advantage. And yeah, uh, I think we'll split. I think we'll, I think we'll win on Saturday. I think you'll win on Sunday. Um, like I said, I just, I just hope for better than my initial prediction. I'm fine. If we lose both games, as long as it's entertaining. Maybe just mild discomfort and not. Sure. Yeah, that would, that would be good. Like, like, like a little ennui. Yeah. 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 That's fine. Yeah. Gazing right. into the void. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. like, that's baseline for me. So that's fine. There we go. Yeah. Um. So you guys played last night, right? Uh, yeah, we played. Uh, yeah. Today's, today's Friday. Yeah. We played last night. We won uh, 3-2 against Ottawa. Which most teams would not be happy to beat Ottawa, but, but but we will take what we can get. Wins are wins. Exactly. They have two relatively good players, so yeah. you, know, you never know what will happen up there. So the Flyers have been off for like four days. Five, not like a very long time. Um, so they're, I think, going to be a little bit cold. So I'm saying yeah. we're going to win game one, hmm. but not by a lot. I'm going to say like a 2-1. Okay. One game. And then the Flyers will win Sunday 4-2. Okay. That's what I'm going with. There you go. I feel like I say 4-2 all the time. It's like an extremely safe, I think, prediction. Well, I mean, maybe you're just a big Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fan, and you're fixated on 42. Maybe. There you go. Could be. Because you're not saying 2-4. You're saying 4-2. I am. Yep. That's true. Yep. All right. I feel very good about what we've done here. Me too. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you again for joining me. And again, we've got two games against the Detroit Red Wings, Red Wings, which should be a real party. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Pete, thanks again. Be sure to check out all of Pete's podcasts Mm -hmm. and his blog posts on Winging It in Motown, which is the SB Nation Red Wings blog. If you don't know that, check it out. Uh, Pete, thanks very much. Oh, thank you so much. It's fun as fun as always. All right. We're yeah. going to get that green jacket very yes. soon. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, go Flyers.